Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? And there we are. Let the infection begin. The Backwards Infect. How you doing, Luke? Good, man. How are you? It's the Good. smell. It's the smell. <laughs> All right, Smith. Can't get rid of the stench. Man, I had a uh, crazy weekend where um, it, it's not necessarily by choice. There's like a series of unfortunate events for other people. And I find myself um, coaching a volleyball team. And man, that is a very interesting experience in my new state. Mostly because it reminds me of like... Uh, it's just awareness of different states that you're in. Like one example I've shared is like uh, video games. Like not to say that there's anything wrong or make any kind of judgment about video games, but when you play video games and you have a little bit of awareness, you can understand how much it dials in like you're, attention and your tension so like if you were just to like sit down and watch netflix it's going to dial in your attention but not necessarily like the tension in your body it's also like relaxing so it's more like vegetative and then there's this volleyball thing where you're coaching so i'm super present like super duper present and also super reactionary. It's hilarious. Like there's no way to stop it. Like that's what coaching is, like reacting to what's going on. And so like it's not as if you can be quiet and just stand there and not not react. And as soon as you open your mouth, it is evidence of the reaction that was just inside of you. It's it's definitely a um, experience that will kind of jolt you in your spiritual progression a little bit, and uh, not to say that there's any judgment. I mean, you find yourself in a position in your life situation, and you just deal with what life presents you. So it's not as if like it's. Um, I don't want to sound ungrateful because this is uh, my daughter and it's also like a, a great experience and a great time just to have with her. And for that, I'm thankful. But in terms of awareness, it is very, very interesting how reactionary that position is and to stay in it for, you know, two days straight on a big weekend tournament. I can, I can feel it knocking me off my, spiritual pedestal a little bit so it's you who's holding me back possibly <laughs> i yeah. knew something was going on in the cosmos let's talk about reaction for a minute though because 
reaction is not a i i think I think what's behind the reaction, because I just reacted to your initial comments on the podcast. Um, I'm reacting to them now, but I'm doing so in a manner that's, you know, obviously there's no anger behind this reaction. There's not really any negative emotion behind this reaction. So when we talk about reactions, I think, the way I was hearing it, like any reaction you're viewing as, as negative or something that could put you off of your awareness path. But, um, there's a lot of reacting going on during the day. I just feel like what's behind the reaction because in this world we have to react. I mean, you have to react when a bear is in front of you as well. You have to react or or you're going to die. There's tons of, there's, there's beautiful reactions. I've reacted in my car one time and I was like, I don't even know how I accomplished what I just accomplished, but I just avoided a car accident just by staying like super present. And then you have like this perfect reaction and you're like, whoa, how did I just intuitively bam? And that was from awareness. So I think there's two different types of reaction going on here isn't there Uh, that's probably true and i mean a lot of it probably has to do with how much of a contrast it is to my other life situation so my normal day like in terms of like reacting to traffic and it's a much quieter reaction like there's not really any emotional involvement in terms of the presence that's in front of me So you're just going through and I can get very, very quiet and I could do something like pay attention for multiple hours on my own breath. Like that's a goal that I can achieve like in my normal life situation. But then when you flip it to like coaching and, you know, it's 13, 14 year old girls. So just getting on um, the wavelength of them is, is pretty interesting. And then it's just, it's the emotional involvement with that present moment and that anticipation of what you want that next moment to be. So like a silly example would be like a balls coming over the net and you know, it's out and like, you're calling it out, 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 out. And like either the player's going to listen to you or the player's not going to listen to you. If the player listens to you and she like steps away and the ball goes out, like you just contributed and that's a point for you guys. Maybe the player doesn't listen to you and she hits the ball, but you were screaming the whole time that it was out. So like that one doesn't match up. So you're constantly facing like these emotional, um, these emotional checks on the situation and it's super interesting. And like, if I were to just like walk in and coach a game, like it, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but when it's long-term like that for a weekend, like you just start to lose yourself in those. So like trying to stay in my breath, I feel like is like almost impossible. Because there's so much going on all the time. I'm way too distracted. But that's because the emotional involvement is like through the roof. 
because you know there's a very detailed system the detailed system is you know something you put together you need these girls to respond to this detailed system it's it's just it's a completely different situation but i know it knocked me off my pedestal like that's the other thing like there's there's states now that i can recognize where i'm getting in or um when I haven't been in for a while and then I sink back into them, I'm like, Oh, there I am. You know what I mean? Like I can feel my, I can feel myself getting knocked off that pedestal a little bit. And again, like the, the main point is to just be grateful. Like you're just dealing with what you had to deal with in this particular life situation and just be grateful for that. So I don't want to make it sound like it's even a complaint. It's just a, it's just an observation of what people deal with in their life situation. And I feel like I just recognized a system where, man, it would be very, very difficult to do a project such as stay locked down in your breath for multiple hours at a time. Right. It's intense for an extended period of time. I mean, I've, for some reason, we seem to be really in sync with uh, a lot of things that are going on, just like we've talked about with other people that we listen to, because I i don't know what it is the last few days. I mean, it just, it, it feels like it's a week where I've taken two steps back. Um, last week, I, you know, had that 40-hour fast, and I feel like I had a ton of growth, and, you know, that was followed by some breakthroughs that I had. And then I can remember after those breakthroughs, I couldn't get out of my head for, you know, like a day and a half. And it was almost like I was driving home my breakthrough. Like I wanted to bask in it. Like I wanted to soak it up. I didn't want that moment to, to end that growth moment. I, I wanted to like savor it. And it was all mind and ego. And I and I could clearly see what was going on, but the pull to do that was so strong because it's that pull on the other side, which like I guess it's the pull like that tells you how great you are. That side of the pull, not you know, that you know, you, you accomplish something by determination and discipline and, you know, you had a breakthrough because of, uh, you know, the journey you're staying on. And then, uh, you know, I feel like this week, just two steps back for no other reason, but just feels like two steps back. I don't, I don't understand really, uh, what happened. Um, other than the basking in for a, a day and a half and and maybe, you know, the universe just leveling things out. Um, I don't feel bad in any way. I just feel like it's probably a residual effect because I, I felt like I could have been like on a high horse and then I'm not even really two steps back this week. I'm just back to normal. So the constant contrast of that is you know, like what's going on. But med- meditation wise, it seems like I would get into a meditation and do it for five or 10 minutes when 
you know, the week before I would be doing 20 or 30 minutes. So just my level of uh, astuteness seems to be like 50% this week instead of, you know, a hundred. It's odd. Yeah, it always makes you wonder, like, are there other forces aligning, you know, like tidal forces and, you know, stuff that I know we're interested in. We kind of, you know, keep track of some stuff. But, yeah, what makes one week, yeah, seem like 50% from another week? That could be interesting stuff in the background that we don't really even have awareness of yet. And then when you have one of those weeks, you, you know, I was thinking about words that that were popped into my head um, that I wrote down just as a reflection. First word I had was expectations. And then uh, the second word I had was doubt. And uh, whenever you have a week like that, where I guess, you know, don't feel like you're spiritually on point or, making any progress the seeds of doubt start to manifest in you and they start to grow in you as well and i've i've experienced those over the years and i've talked to you about them especially when i was riding solo for many years about um when you have what you have and then me what i had as far as an awakening like you still can't ever take that state away. Like that state that you were in, like no one is ever going to be able to take that from Cain. Like you understand fully what a state past thought is. So that's irrelevant, but that gave you some type of crazy, like built in faith to where I'm not saying these things. I notice them like start to build and I'm like, what are you doing? Like I already know who I am and where I'm going. So when they build and you're like, did I really just let like a sprout in and, and, and let it, let it grow. But that's exactly what they do. I mean, it works the same way. You have seeds of doubt that if you ponder on a seed of doubt, it will grow. I mean, if you give it attention, that's like watering a flower, it will grow. And then it grows a little bit. And you're like, what, what am I doing? It's not hard to like, kill it or anything because you can't go past the experiences you've had but it's in weeks like this i notice them creep up that's interesting because um there's a i've always been like really into like fictional narrative and it's not quite like synchronistic and maybe that's my ego just trying to downplay it. But there are some like interesting narratives that like reoccur. And then it's like, well, why does it reoccur? But there's one that I've been on recently about the devil's bargain. Now, in terms of what you just said, like this is interesting. Like if you go over like the devil's bargain. So who's, who's that fiddler? Um, was it Charlie Daniels that has the famous meeting with the devil and he like tries to play, outplay the devil with the fiddle 
and then he beats the devil and he takes the devil's fiddle. There's all these like encounters in fictional lore about the devil's bargain. And it's, there's always some form of, and we were talking about it maybe last week or the week before with like Aleister Crowley, where like how many like rock and roll people, like the idea of like selling your soul to the devil to get fame and popularity or power or money. And that's the way it always comes up in these fictional narratives but some of them are interesting if you look at and if you just try to play out like what would that entail and like what would the devil need to do like so if you imagine a devil's bargain and if i'm sitting here and i'm having a conversation with the devil he doesn't have to bargain anything he doesn't even need my soul he doesn't even he doesn't even need like that kind of entrapment like the the way the devil operates and l- let's imagine it like as an actual entity we're having a conversation with he's just going to tell you look you're Cain you're and it's way easier if you go back to like a younger version of yourself so you know you know, you're just out of high school, you know, you're a good kid, but look at all the stuff you're missing out on. There's a whole world out there, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, good times, fun. Like, why don't you have another cane go do that? You're a good cane. You can just stay and be the good cane, but we'll just make another cane and the other cane can go out and have a whole lot of fun. And that's the only thing the devil's really ever doing. He's just offering you to split from that place of complacency or boredom or whatever you want to call it. And now the rock and roll cane goes out and I meet him face to face. It's me and it's the rock and roll cane. And you send the rock and roll cane out to go and have fun. And I get to feel everything that he feels. I get to the sensation of everything he does. And he goes out and he experiences all this stuff. And I start to take in all these experiences as well. But eventually they start to affect me. And eventually he gets out of hand and he gets spiraling into more and more bad behavior. That's not good for me. And then there needs to be a confrontation. And what's the confrontation? The confrontation is, well, there's, there is only room for one of us here. I can't tolerate the bad behavior on the level that you want to do it. You got to go. But now he's looking back at me and he's like, bitch, you got to go. And so one of us pulls the trigger. Bam. Done. Dead. But now, now rock and roll canes in hell. That's where he is. That's where he resides. And I still feel everything that he's going through. I still feel the whole thing. And now when I wake up in the morning, I don't even know if I'm the good cane or the rock and roll cane. And there's the devil's bargain. And it's exactly what you said. It's that doubt. 
It's that process. But the devil, the devil's bargain, we're making it all the time. Constantly. I can always count on you for a good explanation of the devil. That's pretty simplistically put, but that was awesome. Yeah. So, which leads to why the work on the other side, because your lucid dreaming and and seeing all those things is something that you necessarily can't see, but you can see uh, through the work of lucid dreaming all the... um, trapped consciousness, trapped entity, uh, manifestations that you've done. And a lot of that work is on the lucid dreaming side or, you know, intensely meditation, you know, you can get to some serious cleaning out in, in your physical awake state. But as me and you have both discovered, there seems to be that seems to be, I mean, it's pretty factual. There's another awakening. There's another awakening and it has to do with different dimensions. It has to do with how much we create and have created and have no idea what we've done. So, yeah, I love the lucid dreaming talks that we've had as well. And, and what you're getting into with that, because I think you're doing some, some serious even even more so than me, uh, just the think about. I can just see you viewing a lot of your creations and how your process is unfolding now. It's pretty cool to see that because you, I know that you're going beyond like three D cane to awaken on the other side, which is exactly the path we're on because 3d wake up cane yeah you experience some of that here um but the final project is uh awakening all of those trapped consciousness that do affect you still that are a part of you in some way and you're just like one at a time (laughs) i'll look at you and it may and it may be like a three hundred day process. We you know we don't know, but you think about how much power we have and how much power you realize you have when you awaken. It's pretty substantial the manifestations that we've done over a lifetime. And just say for you, for you know thirty years, the last thirty years of 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 manifesting you know, what you've manifested. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I mean, the driving force is like to, to, to experience that place for two weeks. Like, I, I mean, and you can probably remember me from that time back then. Like I just, I just saw it so clearly and I'm, I'm just not, I'm not willing to accept that it's unachievable like through some kind of mechanical process. And I know that the achievement is directly related to um, integrating more of your own consciousness. So untrapping that consciousness like you're talking about. 
But that's exactly how I know, like I got knocked off kilter talking about this weekend because like I was in a, I'm, I was in a really good groove. And then because it's like driving Friday night, I try to like keep up with the way I was doing things, but it was a uh, dead sleep Friday night. Saturday is, I mean, a, just an emotional roller coaster and a, um, exhausting experience. So Saturday night was a dead sleep and then Sunday night was a dead sleep. That's what I mean when I'm knocked off kilter. So it's three consecutive nights of dead sleep. But then, so I'm back home and last night, boom, I was right back in. And I was like, all right. So it was, it was really just that three day hiatus, which I can understand because I could see what it was doing to me. But I was like, bam, I'm right back in. And it's amazing because it's, I, I, you find yourself like trying to reach for like more and more mystical type um, experiences. And I mean, I mean, that part is true, but I also, I'm very, very aware of the dissolving of these trap consciousness is the path forward. So as long as I'm there, I'm just, I find like a real contentment there now. Like um, last night, and this is great because it's it's starting to like merge like part of my dream I was driving with Logan but that makes like so much sense because I just drove with Logan over the weekend mm-hmm. so I can see it it's like oh good my dreams are mimicking my days like that's what I want to notice like so more effort into like reality and checks and stuff like that should eventually pay off if I can clearly see the path of my day Um, it's funny because the dream was like, I was having trouble staying on the road and then like the police pulled me over. I thought that, so my interpretation of that was like, yeah, I just got knocked off the road a little bit and that now I got to figure out how to, you know, drive down the middle of the highway like I have been doing. And, um, it's funny because it was it was an old version of me and I was abusing a drug. I was abusing Ritalin. It was very, very specific. And I knew I was abusing Ritalin. But it's funny because it's like a double overlay. Like it's this old version of me that uh, that I recognize clearly. Like I remember that state. Like I was super young. I don't know what it was with Ritalin, but I just loved it. And And it's just like we talk about like cigarettes and stuff like there came a point where I'm like, I got to stop this. This is not good for me. But I can remember that whole process. I remember what I was doing to me. I remember what I was doing in my head. And when I get there, it's like I remember. But it's like an overlay on top of an overlay. But I also have my, so my new identity is overlaid on this younger identity. And, it, and they've merged now. And the thing that's always like the most amazing is like, how did I not completely wake up in there? It's always amazing to me. Like, I can't believe it because somewhere in this same dream, like where it's this camping ground and it's this beautiful body of water. And there's another common theme I keep running into. Like there's almost always some interaction with water, which is specifically related to like the emotional chakra, the second one up. Um, 
the orange chakra and there's like these overhanging trees and at this swimming hole that we're in i mean it's just breathtaking and i'm looking across it it's not very big it's like like um i don't know maybe 50 feet in diameter and i'm looking across it and like hiding in the trees like i i become aware of this beautiful moose i mean just breathtaking you know like when then animal like if we probably can't do it right now because of the way the cameras are and stuff but you know like when you look somebody in the eye and you get that oh like i don't know where my awareness stops and your awareness begins like the consciousness is not localized it's shared and there's something that happens every once in a while and you can happen between two people where it's like oh that we're sharing this awareness but that's what that moose did to me. It just looked me in the eye. And I remember saying to myself, I'm like, those things are dangerous. <laughs> those, those things, I mean, are, and they, because they are like, they, I'm up here. Like you hear stories. I'm like, they're actually pretty dangerous animals. Yeah. No, for sure. So, I and caught, um, I wouldn't want to be caught out with face to face yeah they're pretty aggressive yeah yeah they're very aggressive i mean that whole system of horns and stuff i mean it's for right. a reason and they're not afraid to use it right. but you actually hear more about moose um because i mean they go after cars and stuff you actually hear more about that up here than you even do like bears and stuff mm -hmm. um and you know that was it but that's basically the whole dream. But I, I can't believe like that moment of awareness with the moose, like is not enough to like snap me too. And that, so it's always like that where I'm, where I'm waking up. I can't really believe that. Like I accepted that reality wholeheartedly and didn't question it. Like, and didn't know I was dreaming. But at the same time, what I'm being shown, it's almost like you're looking inside and your whole system is like this balled up Christmas tree light knot, you know, and you're just unwinding all the knots in there and you're just trying to, that's what's happening because I'm seeing this old version of me and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that dude. I remember that guy clearly. I remember how we got out of that position. I remember being in that spot where I was being controlled by this other thing. And now my process is when I wake up, because I think that's the important part where I'm like, yes, I remember him. I remember him. He's in there. And then... I'm I'm much more um, into prayer than I ever have been. And that's a very specific prayer where I'm just, I'm admitting I see him. I'm admitting he doesn't serve me. I'm letting him know he can go. I'm trying to integrate that consciousness that I found that I can remember. 
And there's some times where I think it works better than others. Um, One of the traits of that spinal breathing. So you sit down and um, with the inhale of your breath, you're trying to keep your attention on your spine and come all the way up your spine, back to the back of your head. I normally play it by ear. I've gotten very consistent with it. Sometimes on a breath, like I'll just pull it up a little bit. So it's like a little bit up on a breath, a little bit up on a breath, a little bit up on a breath. And sometimes it's more synced. Like I kind of just go with what feels right that morning. But when, when I've practiced it for a while, when I bring it up and I have my eyes closed, I know I've, I've achieved it because something like pressure spots on my eyes will surface on my eyelids. So like very tangible where like, okay, I'm bringing energy up through my body, which is the opposite of the way we normally are. We're like letting energy go out through our body. So you're just waking up in the morning and setting yourself on that, the reverse process of bringing energy up through your body. So I can do that and I get tangible results behind my eyelids after pranayama and about 15 minutes of meditation. So that's, that's um, every single morning. If I find something in the dream the night before and I can find the sincerity to let him go and integrate him, I get that same sensation. So there's there's a little bit of a like, but that sincerity is important because some it's not always there. Yeah, sincerity is uh, that sincerity was everything for me. I mean, sincerity was. Uh, that's such a key word for me when you say it, uh, because I feel like there's so many different levels of sincerity and, uh, man, I've, I've seen people over my life that you could say they're at a zero for sincerity or maybe a five for sincerity. I feel like my sincerity was always at a 10, like legit 10. I feel like the path that led me to where I am today is all because of sincerity. Like I had, I didn't know what I was doing for a long time. It was all led by sincerity, sincerity of question and which I now know as a seed. And I think what you're doing with, um, and sincerity, like it, it can go down too. like this week. I haven't had the most sincere week. So, um, Overall, my sincerity is, is, is off the charts. It's what got me to, you know, wake up in the first place. Um, I think for you, when you sincerely put your attention on something that you can see within yourself, and um, those are super powerful. Uh, I know Gene Hart talks about all the things that... Um, 
or powerful within, you know, the spiritual world. And I think speaking something, it's that vibration too. You sending it out, even if it's, you know, I think even if you say it in your head, I mean, it's just a vibrational send out. It's a, um, cancelization of whatever you're seeing. And it's such a huge buzz buzzword whenever I hear the word sincerity, because I was, I was super sincere when I thought other people were not sincere. And ultimately those became like these seeds that I never knew that I was planting. But when I talk about that Ferris wheel of pain and what I went through, I think a lot of what I went through is what backwardsly you're doing now. And when I was in the physical, like doing those serious meditations, my sincerity when things would come up, like things that like anxiety, okay, why is this coming up? Why do I feel emotional pain? What have I not dealt with? You know, I was asking all those questions right in meditation, sincerely. Like, why am I feeling this way? What, what person have I resented? What, you know, who have I not forgiven? And those things constantly, they would pop up and you just look at them with a sincere heart and, and let them go. I think that's what you're exactly doing now with the, with the lucid dreams. I feel like with the uh, astral experiences that I had that I seem to have had some type of awakening like you had. And now I'm working backwards towards those experiences. I haven't got the main goal of what I'm supposed to be doing or, or, or the path or um, to get back to that. But my level of sincerity when we first started was off the charts. And now I feel like I'm, completely disconnected like no remembering anything no nothing just completely disconnected from from everything in the dream world like i'm I'm having trouble bridging i'm having trouble remembering um but that particular part of it doesn't have me down or anything i'm not i'm not um that wasn't the reason why i feel like i've had like a two-step backward week but just me observing like what's going on with me at night like it's unbelievable it's unbelievable like when you first told me about astral i was like laid down you know i was like okay maybe a couple things and bam i was in and now it's like i don't know it's it's very hard to explain um why that whole thing has backed off um, and the only thing that I can see is that I really up my game as far as meditation after those, after those experiences. So yeah, it's led me to like, try to draw a whole bunch of conclusions, like slowing down on the meditation, but I, I know that's not the answer. That's just something messing with my head. It's, it's. It's very weird what's going on, but I remain patient. 
the, the sincerity, I feel like there's so many levels to sincerity because like the sincerity in the work. And I know that's this way for you as well um, is always there. Like the sincerity in terms of like the overall goal is always there. And then as I'm find myself doing the work or the inner work, I'm sincere about what I want to do, but like, that's not enough. Like, so at times I wake up and I mean, this has been going on with me. I mean, I I put together, I've wrote in my journal more than ever. I've got to the point where right before I went on vacation, I was, I was just picking up like a little tidbit of the, of the first dream. So I've got three dreams I'm writing out in the morning. And uh, just to talk about techniques, because we always talk about the mechanics of it. I'm setting an alarm for two hours after I go to bed and that's it. So mechanically, that's what I'm doing. And I'm playing off a sleep cycle um, hypothesis that if I can wake up after my first sleep cycle, I can kind of continue that process throughout the night and then have multiple wake-ups throughout the night, which helps me remember more throughout the night as I'm introducing my consciousness back into a waking state. Sometimes when I'm writing down these dreams, and so I just start writing down dreams. Sometimes like as I'm writing, I remember an earlier dream. Like it's not all at all at once. And like the way that we used to talk about being still and stuff, like I don't even really worry about that too much because I, I just go right into writing. And then I just start writing down and there's something about writing stuff down that start that starts triggering more. Because when you're writing, especially when you're writing tired like that, you're not really thinking like you're just trying to like get it down. Like, so I'll wake up and like, oh, I was just I was just swimming in this hole. I was swimming in this hole. There was trees. And I'm, oh, my God, the moose. And that, you know, and that wait, I was driving with Logan earlier. And so it's almost like you're working backwards. But it's just waking up and writing for me seems to be helping a lot. Um, Sometimes. And if you look at like the way this all progressed, like we got in, we had like a big experience. Then the dreams turned to where like it was discussed. Like, so you're witnessing like some disgusting version of yourself that you can't even tolerate. Like you're disconnected from it. Not disgusting as if he's like killing and raping people, but just disgusting in terms of he's so unconscious. Right. He's so unconscious. I can't relate. And then there's that stage with the overlook window, which is basically like just looking in on stuff. And like, I don't even know how or why or what's going on there. Then it flipped for me. So it's like those two stages turned into, okay, now it's first person. Like that is me. I recognize him. I remember being that. And it's younger versions of me. And sometimes when I wake up, 
like there was one the the most powerful one that i had was uh resentment and it was just it was a version of me that just resented other dudes in a bar like just sat there quietly like resenting guys in a bar and i i'm in him i am him i'm seeing what is doing to me and so when i wake up and i go through the process of prayer like i saw that one i don't need him i don't want him like that one was super sincere because i didn't like him i didn't like the way that made me feel the sincerity was like off the charts and that was one of the ones where i could feel it dissolving but there's been like an alcohol one and this one's like super crazy because i i still haven't had a drink i haven't had a drink but i can go back into the cane that understands what it is to be drinking and then when it's time to dissolve i can't find the sincerity to kill him <laughs> i i don't i don't get it like it's just not there Like, all he wants to do is relax on a Friday night. Like, right. what, what am I killing him for? I can't do it. I can't find it. And so, like, the sincerity levels are very, very interesting because sometimes it's there. And sometimes I'm like, I don't have anything against that guy. But it's like, why am I being punished for drinking when I'm, like, not drinking? It's so weird. It just shows you what you're doing. I mean, you're going yeah. through your past selves, which is the way you're describing it. I mean, man, you couldn't be on the path if, I mean, it's the freaking yellow brick road. I mean, it's it's being laid out before you. It's just you're going through step-by-step -step process of annihilating those egos. It's me, 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 uh, one by one. It's beautiful work. Me too. Me too. <laughs> It's beautiful work, though. A lot of that, for me, was in, in the very beginning. Um, but, yeah, now I'm I'm trying to learn the lucidity. And uh, the thing for me, though, what I, what I find bizarre is when I was drinking, like, during COVID and going, like, when I would wake up, I would be vibrating so hard. And I would, that's when I, I remember asking you, like, do you ever see flashcards in your mind's eye? Because when I'd wake up during those vibrational times, I could turn my mind's eye on and just start flipping the page really fast and see like 20 people in 15 seconds. And I had no idea who they were, but I was like, these are like my mind's eye. I can see like a television and that's harder to do in a sober state. And I, I, I look back, I'm like, well, were, were you making progress there? Like, I don't know. Well, it's funny. Remember that Robert, was it Robert Jordan? So like the, the there's two types of people talking about the out experience out-of-body experiences and the first type is like very spiritual but then there's this other group that's very scientific 
And when he laid out like the night that he could almost guarantee he would have an out of body experience. I mean, it was a night where he was drinking. And so like, so think about it. Like we're talking about a spiritual event, like that's for sure. But just like basketball or math, like some people are better at it than others. Right. I mean, they would just be more attuned to it than somebody else. And so it, it could definitely make sense that like, especially alcohol, like just a little bit more of a relaxing um, chemical could put you like right in a very familiar state that you've been in many times before. I mean, I would, in terms of a hypothesis, I would say, yes, you were doing the work and your drinking was never, I mean, from what I understand, your drinking was way more of a relaxed thing than what my drinking was. Yeah. I don't think it ever got to a level. I mean, it was more of like COVID I mean, it, COVID was just, I, I think alcohol sales are up across the board over the whole country. I mean, it's just, yeah, they must have been. COVID was just, um, it was just one of those things. I mean, you, you just got comfortable at home. But I would, I, yeah, it was a different, different drinking experience. Um, because you say I, I was, you know, I, I might've been meditating in the day or something, you know, so I was in somewhat of an awakened state, but yeah, I, I've got, did not healthy as far as, I mean, the amount, um, because if you wake up at, you know, 2am in the morning and it wasn't like a fun feeling of vibration. It was weird. Like I was needing water or just not just going to bed, you know, drink too much. Um, so physically it was not like sustainable, but I think I already had like a head start on, you know, the awakening process. So, you know, I was, you know, putting alcohol on, on that state already and already had a lot of progression, but yeah, this COVID was weird time for sure. Well, there's definitely like a bunch of those guys that are in more of the scientific, like trying to like figure out intellectually, like what's going on with the out of body experience. And there's, I mean, they don't have any of like the restrictions that you find in the spiritual guys teachings about what those experiences are. And which kind of makes you wonder like, is there like a purely mechanical element to the consciousness and the consciousness being localized? And it's funny because, I mean, even the ones that are more scientific, I mean, as you read on to their process, they always become like certainly beyond agnostic. They always become an just to use the term believers, but I mean, they're not even believers that they're experiencers. 
Right. So it always kind of shifts them in that direction. But I mean, they get there in a, a completely different way. Some of them just through like b- brute force and just trying every possible mental thing they can do to get out of that. I mean, if you Robert Jordan's book, I mean, there's like a hundred different techniques on how to exit the body. Baseball bat being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> interesting experience on that it's 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 given me a a word to look at as far as expectations i had that wrote down too like expectations for me um i try not to have them and and i feel like now i'm just laying down like don't expect anything and when i'm laying down with that mindset it's like well nothing's gonna happen then (laughs) Because I'm throwing that out there. Don't expect anything. And there's something to that. Um, There was something to it with you and the experiences too. Because there was a lot of intent of me like find where Kane is. And I need to get back to that. Because I was trying to figure out, well, what was I focused on? And what I was focused on is like the location of Kane. Either go to his house or even if I wasn't your house, like you know, find, find him where he was. And that, that first experience was finding you. And it, it was like, or it was a couple of times, the lucidity dream uh, in that house. And then the actual astral experience where I woke you up the first time that was finding you and you awakening in that wherever we are at, but there was a lot of motivation to like find you. So I had a lot of intent behind it, like intent of experiencing like with another person in the astral. Um, and I think I got away from that I'm trying to, I was just trying to think back of what my intentions were and what now they're wrong all in itself because I'm, I'm completely saying, you know, don't expect anything, but I think that's a horrible thing to do because you're not going to get anything. Yeah. It reminds me of the good shot conversation. Like when you're setting up, you're walking up, like you, you have to anticipate like hitting a good shot. Yes. That's where you have to be. The only problem is like, if you don't hit the good shot, then there's a reaction to that. And if you do hit the good shot, like you feel, feel like you're the one that manifested the good shot, which you are. Yeah. So weird. You get tripped up in expectations. The, the first teacher that I ever, ever had, it was like, you know, expect to expect nothing. Like don't do it for any other reason, but mindfulness don't expect like, these huge moments in meditation and you can get into meditation where your expectations are you wanting to, especially like once you experience like past thought, you want all the meditations to lead to that state, which is pretty grandiose, but then you get in the expectation thing and not all meditations go that far. I'm not entirely sure why, but it is, a very, very good word to look at and, and make sure you're not 
you know, playing games with it because there's, there's a lot of times I sit down to meditate and you just want to expect great things. You know, you just want, for me, I was like, I just want to see the light. I just want to get past thought. I want to get in that state where I'm floating because that was one of the very first experiences that I had that uh, gave me the awakened state. But you don't just like, you don't go back to those first two weeks um, by meditating for a whole week. It's, it's, it's very hard to get back to that. And the same thing in expectations for the astral is, it's not a day that doesn't go by that thinks that when I go to bed tonight, that I want to have that experience. I'm just waiting and I'm trying not to be impatient. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I might be dialed into the expectation thing. Um, and it's, I really didn't notice until like I was back on the volleyball court and you know how, like, there's a lot of people when they talk about anger, it's really interesting. Like they, they have a ton of self-awareness in terms of anger being a possessive force that they cannot control. Like people tell that story. Like, I don't want to get angry because I've seen myself get angry and it was not pretty. But what's going on there? Like somebody is admitting out loud that they recognize that there's an emotional force that possesses them. They see it. And I remember like I was always warned of like this emotional force. I even remember you like at times back in high school where you had like some incredible Hulk moments and I always just took it to heart except I, I refused to accept the possession part of it. So I thought, right? So I just learned to let it in. And it was so calculated. Like, I mean, I was icy cold. Like I I had ice in my veins. It was very, very calculated. But then you're letting in this fire of anger. And like you have this fire and ice that's, converging in your veins and you're turning to steel and that's what i saw on the volleyball court like i used to let that in and i was able to like this isn't like to puff me up in terms of volleyball play but when you like put it next to like basketball analogies or golf analogies like i was able to ride states for long periods of time where my expectations were being met by my actions like in real time and in perfection not that i'm playing volleyball perfectly but what i see that i want to do my body is doing right behind it and then you just stay there like that's that flow state so you're 
drawing these expectations, then you're just meeting them. And I can see that clearly now when I step back on the volleyball court, I'm like, holy cow, like that system that I had developed there taught me so much about the expectations, taught me so much about what that mechanical process is. And it's, I don't know that you can even explain it to somebody because like you can't let it puff you up. You can't second guess yourself. You can't let it rise to a level where you're too conceited because it will topple over on itself. Like it's, it's like riding a wave on a surfboard or something. And you just have to stay in that sweet spot. But as long as you've dialed everything in, like that expectation in front of you is always being met by the reality that you're creating. And I mean, I don't know if that's what's going on um, today spiritually, but I know like that state of expectation is it's achievable, but it's, it's a small sweet spot. It's a very small sweet spot. I will say my expectations of something grandiose are are like temptations for me because as I look back on this week, attention-wise and presence-wise, I had a lot of activity going to my breath and going to my hand and uh, keeping myself present and uh, my attention. So it's just a comparison thing for me that, you know, nothing, nothing big happened or, or any type of growth or no huge epiphany came to me to talk about on the podcast tonight or no, no huge. But you were in your breath all week. When I say in my breath, I mean, within, I mean, I would have wake ups every five minutes if I wasn't. <laughs> oh see i thought you were t- you're actually skyrocketing and you don't know it dude if you're in your breath to that degree it, it's not yeah. in my breath or it's my hand i had a lot of activity in my hand if if it's not my breath it's my hand i'm saying yeah and you just let your hand remind you to take you back to the breath exactly yeah so but yeah, it's a very yeah. very dull week is what I'm saying. Yes. Like it was, it's, it's I didn't realize nothing, you were in the breath that well though. There's nothing exciting um, that happened. No major epiphanies. So you, the expectation seed kind of, um, you know, it pops in and you're like, well, why hasn't, why haven't I gotten any grand epiphanies this week or anything? There's, there's nothing really, like you said, behind the scenes, there's there's probably a lot going on. Um, I know there is because I've set up the spiritual playground. I already know how this works. I already know like what's happening. I already know like 
I'm, I'm having great days at work. Like everything's going phenomenal. Just something about the energy this week that seemed to be very dull and non, non ascending, uh, more level, but the, um, I've been listening to the attention revolution and dream yourself awake. And if I lose it, I I'm, I'm immediately going back to the breath. So I'm, I'm either go to the breath, you know, the feeling when I inhale or to the hand constantly. But I think the head start you were talking about, as far as me, like I've been doing that for like a very, very long time. Like I've been going to my hand, like this book says, for a long time. But I had some major breakthroughs a couple weeks ago and stuff that, um, I you know I'm not saying I was attention revolution for the last 25 years, but I know exactly what this book is talking about. Is what I'm saying. Like I know it, like the back of my hand. I know, like, um. And that may be why it's so hard for me to follow him just because it seems like he's reading. Like he only has to say a couple of words. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Well, okay. I'll just go to my hand like I've been doing for the last 25 years. Yeah. But it, as long as you make sure the hands just reminding you to go to the breath yes. and then just make sure that, that the object remains the breath. And then, yeah. Cause I mean the, pa- so people are trying to have experience to like maintain the state that you just had for the week, even though it doesn't feel like an ascending state, but just riding out that state, even if it is mundane or even if it is um, dull, I mean, that's, that's the game that I, I think that's, I mean, people are trying to get to where you are. You know what I mean? Like lots and lots of people are trying to get to like to the level of like waking up every five minutes. I think way more normal for people to wake up maybe a couple times a day. Mm, so Yeah, it's way. Yeah, it's not like that. So, for example, like you're coaching and you're in like an intense situation and, you know, you just had a couple things back and forth and then five minutes goes by and you're like. Oh, there I am. Mean, that that's happen. what I'm saying, dude. It long periods, long, long periods where, I mean, for Hours? those two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's not like I'm reacting in terms of, um, you know, like I'm really angry or really happy. I mean, that's really what coaching is. It's like, you're really happy with that or you're really yeah. pissed at that. Right. Right. But, so I know not to like let those reactions take over. And so I'm a very, very calm coach that's able to, you know, stay positive. Right. I mean, so that's fine, but it's, but there is like a happy or a angry reaction that's happening constantly because like we went over that five times already why is that still happening and or that just went my way yay you know it's just constant yeah. right. and 
so it's to the point where I, when I feel myself go back in the breath, I'm like, oh my God, it's been a long time since I've been in the breath. That's exactly what I say. Like on those days. And then verse like my other life situation where I'm at work and I can be way more like what you're talking about. Like it won't even be five minutes and I can get back. But that's why I'm saying, like, I can feel myself get knocked off spiritual center. And again, like, not to complain or anything, it's just noticing. But the um, the fact that you're sitting in that state, I think, pays dividends. So, yeah, I mean, the hand became something for me where my consciousness went to my hand without me even knowing it. Like, if if something were to arise, like, before my awareness went to my hand, like, something went to my hand, if that makes sense. Like. Something's reminding you to go to your hand? Before my awareness even goes to it. Yeah, something's almost like the birds whistling to me. Yes. Yeah. Supersedes like even the the awareness somehow. Yeah. I'd gotten that down so much and it in the very beginning very very good at it, but when my first meditation experiences for the first 5 years that I meditated, it was so hardcore on my hand. Like because I didn't do any breath work. Because really it was more, it was better for me not to mess with the breath. So at the time I still was dealing with asthma and whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't even know if it was asthma, but asthma like symptoms to where, you know, if I focused on the breath, I, it could throw my rhythm off and, um, I don't know if you remember me as a kid, but I was always complaining that I couldn't breathe. I don't know if you remember those times, but it was something was developing in me that needed to develop. I don't know what that was, but there was a way to me to circumvent the process of staying away from my breath and just doing the hand. The hand became this hardcore anchor that I'll never lose. But what happened with your awakening is like when I make a big deal out of this, I'm really making a big deal because it was a really, really big deal. (laughs) Like the breath, the new breath that I gained was pretty substantial. It almost was like granting me permission to calm down in your breath at last. So now I have two things. I have the anchor in the hand and I have the, I have the breath presence as well. And the, both of those combined, you know, one reminds the other constantly. They're, they're constantly in tandem, but there's been times when I've been in a, in a meeting or whatever, and some kind of pressure situation come up and, my hand starts heating up before my awareness ever went to it. That's what I'm talking about where it's superseding. 
like my hand starts heating up before I even take awareness to it. Like something is going there before my awareness went there. And then, oh, it's glowing warm. Oh, there you, you can go to it now. Like something is superseding that initial wake up event. Yeah, that just, I mean, so, which would remind you to get back in the breath. Correct. So, yeah, you have, you. that's exactly what I was talking about. Like you have like such a mechanism to drive you back to the breath. And then I realize like we don't necessarily know, but in terms of, I mean, there's, there's a lot of Buddhist dogma. There's a lot of Buddhist teachings they're all similar and they're and the the path is to stay in the breath and then yes it's mundane at times yes it's dull at times i mean when you listen to the monks talk about like sitting in huts and just trying to stay in the breath for all of their waking days like that's all they're doing is trying to stay in the breath and then so if you have this mechanism where that's an achievable state for you, and this is, even though you have the mechanism that goes back, but for you to have the breath part, that's fairly recently. And then the question is, are they correct about the mechanism of awareness in the breath? And it's, it doesn't seem to, I mean, it seems to be like everybody that goes down that path is having the same experience. Everybody that goes down that monk path, they're all going through this path and that is awareness in the breath. But just that awareness in the breath is longevity with awareness in the breath is the door to the mystical. Because according to what they say, and this is where, you know, I don't like to talk about teachings and stuff in terms of, um, it's not an experience that I've had. So, I mean, you find yourself just trying to listen to knowledge of those who went before you, but there's some mechanism where the breath responds, which I think in some, in some ways totally makes sense. Are you talking about what I just said before the hand glows warm before my awareness yes. even goes to it? Yeah. Yes. But now it, when it's in the breath, because so your hand, so that's no, what I'm saying. Like your concept. I haven't, same concept. So what did you do with your hand? Like, we don't know what you did to your hand, but it supersedes, right? The awareness, yeah. The, But the breath, but your hand is there. Your hand is, is an object. I mean, your hand is part of you. Your hand has matter and boundaries. The breath doesn't have any of that. 
the breath is is the relationship you have with the rest of the world. Your breath is the outside coming in, in rhythm. I mean, that's the whole thing where we talk about, you know, the trees and the lungs and your breath is the key to unlocalizing the consciousness. And according to these guys, like that awareness on the breath to like that degree for a long period of time, which long period of time is completely subjective. I mean, we don't know what that is. And I have a very, uh, I have a hunch that for you, it's not going to be a very long time that the breath responds just like your hand responds. Right. And now, but it's not like your hand. It's all mystical. And what do you think that is as far as how it's described? It's a, how it's described is a permanent position in the mind's eye. So your mind's eye gets um, permanently opened to the breath or to air. So all that mind's eye talk, we're like the mind's eye on, off, you know, it's, it's an, it's an opening of the mind's eye that is a new state to launch the rest of your spiritual progression with. Because they say, as soon as this happens, you're done with the breath. Not that you're done with the breath. It's just, it's just, it's not, you don't have to focus here anymore. Now you have the mystical place to focus on. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, yeah. I can see that coming. I as as far as you may think I am along, I I feel like my day is full of failures though. Cause even if I wake up in five minutes, I think, well, where were you at for five minutes? So I yeah, I mean I But that's I, that's madness that's to your favor. You see what I'm saying? Because we look at it the, the where you and I are and because we had these astral experiences like thrown into the mix, right? Right. So we you get this view of the mystical and then you realize like, oh, how fragile this whole process is. Because you and I both say like, if you can do it one night, why can't you do it the next night? Like you can see how fragile that process is. And so that creates like that whole like expectation and doubt type cycle that you can get in. But that breath awareness, that's why the monks go down this road. Because as long as you're coming back to it every five minutes, go ahead and feel like a failure. Go ahead and feel like you're not making any progress. That's what they're saying. It's not going to matter. Just stay there. You see what I'm saying? It's it's a brute force mechanism into the mystical through discipline and awareness. 
what we were doing before is just trying to balance. So we were doing like very advanced yoga, trying to get the balance just right. And sometimes able to do it. But as soon as, as soon as we were able to do it, that would throw the balance off for the next night. So we couldn't duplicate it. Try to like stand on one leg and like pull your knee way up. Try to balance that and see, like you can learn a lot from just trying to like actually balance the body, but that's what we were trying to do with that mystical, the way we were doing it before. The problem is every time we got that rush of excitement, it was throw, it was recalibrating the balance. And so you, you didn't, you would just start the way you were before thinking you were doing it the same way. And, but we don't know like how to balance the other side. We were doing it backwards. If this is correct, you get into the breath, the awareness of the breath, and it's somehow the consciousness after the awareness of that rhythm, somehow it starts to work with you and it opens the door. And now you have a new a new ground to stand on for the rest of the spiritual progression. But that's why I thought it was so important for you. Cause I'm like, he's gotta be so close to it. As soon as I read it, I'm like, he's gotta be like, because they talk about it being anywhere from like three months to, you know, over a year. But as soon as I read that pack, I'm like, I bet Luke is like sitting right there on the edge of this breakthrough. <laughs> well, I, I mean, as far as grounded goes, I, I, I get exactly what could happen um, because I have some ex- experience with the hand, but there is something mystical about the breath in itself this last eight, seven, eight months uh, because the direction has been towards the breath and, even before we've had this conversation, it's been, it's been a present, present thing that I never had. Um, one thing that it's doing with me after, you know, listening to you in this book is that, um, when I go to meditate, I really don't want to break the rhythm. And, you know, three weeks ago when I was meditating, I would get into some serious deep breaths and holding at the top. And for some reason, I don't want to do that anymore because right now, as you've been talking, I've been breathing at that rhythm. And when I sit down to meditate, it's like, well, why am I going to break that rhythm? I'm already present. So when I go to take a deep breath, you know, it, not to say it feels unnatural, but it's like, well, you are already in rhythm. So why are you breaking that? Is it like, are you going deeper into something? Maybe. But I don't see the need to do it as much as before. Because, you know, before I started this vigilant focus on the breath, you'd sit down and that deep breath and hold would really get you into it. 
And maybe I need to, maybe, maybe I need to break that because it gets me in such a, maybe that's why I haven't been going into deeper meditations this last week is because once you get into rhythm, you know, you need to break it because those deep breaths really do help me settle in and then still get back into the rhythm. I think I just answered my own question. Um, but it, it throws your routine off, I guess you could say, because you're like, you're already aware of your breath. Why are you going to start deep breathing now? But I don't think it hurts. Um, but I just noticed the subtle differences, I guess. I know for me, like that deep breath, um, and I, I definitely keep doing it, but it's trying to just describe like what's happening there where because certainly like out of the two weeks, like there was definitely something mystical about the breath, like just stuff that I couldn't really even, um, I mean, I know I talked to you about it a lot, but it was very, very difficult to explain. Like, and it, it's just, it felt so dang good. That's really what it boils down to. But like, you can't really figure out like, there's nothing different. Like, why does it feel so much better? But I feel like I do get a little tiny taste of that where when you have that deep breath and you get that hold and especially where you don't hold so much to where like you're straining, but just enough to where you can see like your ego start to be like, okay, uh, we're going to have to breathe soon here or we're going to die, you know, like where you can see it start to mess with you a little bit. Right. And then that breath just feels so good after that. I mean, it starts with that exhale, you know, you exhale slow and that exhale feels amazing. And then you just take that nice deep breath in and it, it reminds you of what's going on. It reminds you of the relationship. It reminds you that your existence here is in partnership with everything. I mean, it's that lesson is in that technique because you can feel it. It's like when you hold it, like you can't do that for very long. You, you can't do it for uh, you. You will not be here. You cannot do it for them. So the consciousness itself is dependent on that process. And so to hold it just reminds you like, yep. And then to just go ahead and have it delivered and create that great gratefulness, like that breath is always there. There's just... There's a little gratitude mechanism there. There's a little perspective mechanism there. There's a little, um, you know, just reminding that like the, the process of your existence is, is cooperation within this system around you. And just to be reminded of that, I think helps you unlocalize your consciousness just a little bit. You know, you're part of something bigger. 
Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I've been, I've definitely been still on that deep breath and I, I think it's a good start to the, uh, to the meditative process. There's, there's one um, mechanism there and it's not consistent. I can't tell when it happens or um, why it happens. I can't anticipate it at all. But the awareness, aware of itself, and we can go back the way I used to say it, and I say it that way now because that's the way they talk about it in um, those two books. The way I used to say it was pull back from the pullback. Mm-hmm. That's also a state where if you can ride that state, it's supposed to be progress into the breath becoming aware of you. And when, when I have it happen to me, and it's almost always after a deep breath like that, but it feels very much like in my eyelids, it feels like my position goes back and then it's almost like, you know, when you have, um, at like our age, when you're trying to read something, you have to like put it out here and then you can read it. Right. It feels just like that, except it's all like on my eyelids. So it's, it feel I feel like I go back, but then my, it gets super clear. Like the back of my eyelids, I see them super clear. It's the same thing. It's the same thing I see here. It's just, it's like I've just pushed them out a little bit. And just like if I was trying to read something far away, like I just read it better. It's not blurry anymore. And I'm like, and as soon as it happens, I'm like, oh, that's the consciousness. That's me aware of my own awareness. It's it's no doubt whatsoever when it's happening. It's just maybe that's what happens with the breath, that mystical moment. The breath becomes aware of you, of your awareness. Yeah. As you were speaking, that's what was coming to mind. Yeah. I mean, they talk about it as two separate things. But yeah, I mean, but they but they also talk about how the awareness aware of itself is progression towards this path. Basically, they're saying if you find yourself in that state, focus on staying in that state rather than focusing on the breath. The awareness being aware the being aware of your awareness. Yes. So that means your consciousness and awareness are two different things. So if your awareness is on the object, so like you like to have your awareness on your hand, and now we're shifting it where you can have your awareness on your breath. But what if the awareness isn't, doesn't have an object? What is it aware of? 
It's aware of itself. So that's all it is, is like there is no object of the awareness. It's just emerging. And since there's no object, the awareness is then, so it's, it's very, um, it's very much looking inside. So the awareness is aware of itself, which means, you know, our awareness is always going out, right? Our awareness is always going out. We're always trying to find an object for our awareness. But in this process, it like flips on you and it comes right back in. So what they're saying is if you, if you find yourself, that's why they say don't argue with this state because the consciousness just turned back in on itself and that it's a revealing state. It's a state of inner progress. And they say, if you find yourself in that state, then you want to maintain that state. Yeah, I'm trying to recollect the times where I had states that were, I'm trying to figure out if that's the moment of awakening that I had in meditation. You, you talked about the back of the eyelids and for me, when I was meditating, uh, with a whole bunch of sincerity, all of a sudden the back of eyelids turned into like luminescent light, but it wasn't looking at the back of the eyelids anymore. I was just looking at this, just like pure love. I was just, it was like consciousness. It was no thought, but that was all right here. It was all right here. I got past something. Just like that day you had got past thought, like you had got past, like I had broke through something and I was just sitting there in consciousness. I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots as if, if that's the estate that I had attained. Well, so yeah, this is all the attention revolution um, stuff and um, dream yourself awake goes into a lot of the stuff too. So it's all, it's all progressive levels. So this was progressive. This was like level up. So when the awareness becomes aware of itself, so what's happening is, yeah, but it's even further than that because when the awareness comes in and it's aware of itself, think about that like the awareness is like looking inside the consciousness but when you look inside the consciousness then you can realize that there's a primordial consciousness behind you that's always there that's the love stream that's the love connection so when the awareness goes in and looks at itself it starts to realize how connected it is to yeah. Love. Yeah. So it, it's because you went in and you took a hard look that it actually started to see that the stream of love 
goes right through you like a river and is always there so it was the moment that i became aware of my pure consciousness aware state yeah yeah so the way the monks would say it, the awareness became aware of itself but it so deeply that it became that it looked in and saw the connection to god absolutely because that was a god yeah. that was a god moment for me i didn't understand what god was until that moment yeah like i said i knew where the door was we're talking about the door just as though many people talk about the door and and put into words differently um but I think what you're describing is that experience I had. And again, that was like, how long can I stay here for? Well, like sure. you said, it was, it's nothing else matters at that point. Just see how long you can stay in that state. Cause you know, right. the, breath, yeah, the breath is just second nature right then. Like you're not even, you're just focused on how long can I stay in that state? And it, Maybe it was 30 minutes. I don't know, but it, it wasn't forever. I know that. And then meditation, I'm always trying to achieve that. And I've achieved it a couple of times. And I, if I sat here and said, you know what, when we turn this off, I'm going to be determined and sincere and tr I, I probably can do it. Um, but not always. It's kind of like the astral thing, but not really because... I, if I set out to do it, I would experience it at least once a week, pretty much. You've never have you experienced what I'm talking about? Probably not. I don't think so. I'm I'm at the awareness aware of itself, but I get so amazed at the awareness aware of itself, I can feel myself lose it. So I'm trying to figure out how to hold that state. That the awareness aware of itself, like I sometimes like I take that one deep breath and it happens automatically. Sometimes, sometimes I could be, and it's just, it literally, it feels like I went back away from my eyelids, but then kind of like I, I, I know right away that I'm like, I have no object. That's the, there's, there's nothing there I'm not, I don't have my awareness of, on an object. So I know it's just the awareness aware of itself. But if you can maintain that state, that's when I think there's a slow process where it starts to turn in. And now instead of the awareness being projected to try to figure out something in the environment, it's just laser focus going back inside on you. And so to maintain it, then the next stage for me is what you're talking about in terms of meditative stuff. But I, I know I'm on that path because the way that they talk about it is um, like there's no doubt of the awareness aware of itself. So this is this. I got an exercise for you. I got an exercise for you, and this is um, this is a pretty cool one because I was drawing something in, and this is like light consciousness that I've never seen before when I experienced this state, like not like a light bulb, like 
and now as you describe it in the language that you're describing it describing it in i'm curious to think that i encountered what would be my my pure consciousness awareness which was connect it's always connected to oneness but to experience what I thought was a God moment. I was probably experiencing my God consciousness light in its purest form, which is like nothing but pure love that gets energized by the main source. Right. So my perspective may be a little off, but as one of the main things where my hand has become so prevalent I think this is going to be a great exercise for you because how my hand got so um, um, of an awareness object is the exercises I did with it too. And there's a specific thing you can do. I'm in a straight back chair as well. And this is from OG gangster, original spiritual teacher. Um, which I learned so much from a lot of simplistic techniques, but I can't believe I haven't even done this with you before. That's remarkable, but you're drawing something in and I drew something in to where I didn't understand where that light was uh, until I started to master this exercise. And when you do a couple of these, you'll understand what I'm talking about because it does something mechanically mechanically and this is how i originally uh awakened myself this is how i got myself to the state of seeing this light that was beyond thought and then walking outside and having you know your cane moments so hanging hanging a straight back chair hanging your which my right hand is the dominant one preferably with no to where it hangs flamboyantly so there's no arms freely like a yeah freely like a kitchen chair right so meditating the idea is that you start meditating work on your breath you know get yourself into it five minutes get yourself really relaxed you know feel the blood going down your arm uh you know get your whole body vibrating you know get get into the meditation and then on your one that's hanging start going through each finger like first finger feel the blood going in the first finger second finger feel the blood going in the second finger uh, just go through every single finger get your hand really warming up and you'll notice that your arm gets really light, right? It just starts to get really light because you're putting so much attention on it. At that time, you can actually almost make it go up by itself. You know, you might have to produce the mental thought like go up. It'll start going up by itself. But the idea is that you keep it, um, you keep the visual visualization as you're drawing up your hand up to like this, but it's really flamboyant during meditation. Like it's lighter than ever. It feels like it's coming up by itself, right? 
as you're drawing it up because you're concentrating so hardcore and you're in such a meditation you're drawing something in i have no idea what it is but it's getting lighter talking about like your mind's eye back of the eyelids like you're drawing in light as it comes up closer and closer and closer all of a sudden you get the sensation that your hand because of this exercise is passing through your head so now that consciousness light whatever it is is drawing it feels like it's going through you it feels like it's literally going through you're like why is why is the hand not touching the back of my forehead why is it not touching touching and then finally it touches but you've brought something in like it's very luminescent there's a lot of light you hold it there for as long as you can and that's how that's what put me into that state i can't believe i've never discussed this before but there's the secret <laughs> buddy we're on episode 30 that's it welcome <laughs> to the real um oh that's exciting yeah kitchen chair one where your hand yeah. can so just like you just let it hang. you just br so, bring it right to your forehead so as let it come it will almost come naturally you know when yeah. you're focused on your hand so much just go just move it up just a little bit and you're like oh my arm's light as ever when your arm feels like it can literally go up by itself then just kind of let it go up by yourself it'll feel like your arm is moving by itself It'll literally feel like that just because of your concentration and your attention. I can't tell you how many times I've done this exercise. That's why my right hand is so dominant. But it draws something in almost beyond thought. It helps neutralize all the thoughts. It, it's like it's drawing in consciousness or something. It's super powerful exercise, especially for someone who's trying to navigate like in the very beginning, in the very beginning, you know how when you meditate and you just can't stop, you know, you keep going down this thought or that thought. When that exercise, when your hand gets flamboyant, it's super helpful because you're you're locked in. You're locked in the conscious, like you're drawing it in, and their thoughts are are out because of your concentration. See what that does for you yeah that's exciting yeah um notice the changes of notice the notice what you're drawing in notice the increase in light yeah as your hand gets near as your hand feels like it's passing through your head notice you're drawing something in and then notice like wow why is it even getting lighter like it's literally like there it's getting lighter. Yeah, that's interesting. That's um Yeah, any any tactic we can find where we can like try to hit that awareness aware of itself state cuz I I mean, in the fact you're talking about be being able to do it um weekly which man i mean yeah so mechanically it's just figuring out how to make it happen more and more often and because i mean when you get to like the 
the monks and what they're doing. Like, so they, it's all like a progressive path. Like that's what we've been talking about is trying to open that door and getting this new platform to stand on for spiritual progression. But that's what they talk about. Like that's square one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that. And so that primor primordial consciousness or, you know, that connected to love and to God, like they just go right by that and they keep going. And then, I mean, that's when they keep talking about new mystical states and there's just this progression and it just keeps going and it just keeps going. And then, I mean, at the very end is Buddha. Where supposedly he went back, I mean, before consciousness was born. Which is, I mean, that's where the who am I comes from. That's why the who am I question is so intense. Because you go all the way back to the beginning and like you're just there with like the baby God and he just looks at you and, and you're, you're both are just like, who am I? I mean, it, it is the first question. It's, um, but it's so funny cause like these States and stuff, I mean, they're the spiritual level that those guys are on. They just go right by that. So you're, t but once you get the the platform to stand on for the spiritual progression, I mean, I think it's, I think it's skyrocketing at that point. I mean, they talk about like this, the, the breath breakthrough is, is the discipline breakthrough. And then the rest is, you said it, um, I think the last time we talked, like when you when you first understand the truth, you'll have to correct me because I'm not going to say it right, that you don't have a choice from that point on. Uh, the seed, once once you, once those seed, correct seed, once correct seeds are planted, that, uh, yeah, you don't have a choice because they're going to grow. They're, they're going to manifest. Like if you throw out who am I sincerely, there's kind of no turning back from that. If you did it with the sincere heart, just like when I was a little boy, I mean, I was sincere as sincere can be. But I think, it, you know, there's a lot of scripture that talks about become like little children because little children are planting seeds. I mean, they're on a beach, you know, just with awe and wonder. And, you know, why is the sky blue? Like they're just constantly asking questions and they're constantly asking open-ended questions. So when it comes to like adults and yeah, once you put something out there and like in the scripture about that as well, like every seed comes to fruition, whether you like it or not. I mean, if you said something with a sincere heart, it's going to it's going to fulfill itself. You know, it's, um, there's, it's, it's a universe law. It's inevitable. 
and these these guys talk about that progression and that momentum and like once they get that rolling like there's no turning back yeah and it's that i can see like yeah no i i i i I can see the progression. And the other thing is like some of them want to like, that's pretty hardcore to think about too. Like, because the way we talk about it, like breaking through these stages of like God awareness, but there's, there's stages where like their confrontational, like demon demonic confrontational nature like so the level in which you have to like overcome your fears and the stuff they talk about like on that mystical level that's you know a couple of progression points down i mean it's just amazing it's just amazing it's it's almost as if it's like as above so below Mm. because you feel like you can feel it now with like your own ego process and the way you have to dig into yourself and um, witness states and understand states and understand the overlay, have compassion for yourself, understand, forgive yourself because you knew not what you did. Right. Right. But then like the below as above like doing that same thing in like a bigger form and those demons that you're confronting at that time, like the level that they're on. I mean, it's every time I read it, I'm just fascinated, fascinated. It's, it's, um, and it's so funny because I mean, we, we've talked about like the end of skepticism and stuff like there's it's it's not as if like you know i believe them like it's not that that's not right it's they've explained a path of progression forward that for some reason i understand so they gain trust as they talk because they start with like these small techniques number one being Awareness of the breath. Yeah. Which, so I know they know what they're talking about. It's experiential. And, yeah. And so they just move that concept forward. And where they take it is just, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's literally unbelievable. Like it's not something you can just believe. But you hear it, these stories, and they're just fascinating. It's like, holy cow. Yeah, and it, it, I feel myself because I have a heavily involved mental job, and the further I progress spiritually, I feel myself forget a lot of the tasks that I need to get done. So, ambitious, ambitious wise, like I feel like you know that's that's a word to dissect. Because in a lot of ways, I feel held back because the further I push, like I could push myself into where I don't remember, like, what do I need to do tomorrow? 
but I can't. I mean, I have to function tomorrow. I, I'm yeah. going to have to, you know, breathe my way through the day. But they, and they, they even tell you, especially like if you've never had an awakening before, like, and you can attest to this too. Like, you're you're not even going to like remember anything for two weeks. Like, you're not going to remember like to call Betty on Monday and do this. You know, it's just it's just part of the awakening process. But you can push those limits. And I feel like I'm always a seesaw on those limits because as long as you have a job where it's so mentally taxing or not even mentally taxing, you, you know what it was with, with what you do as well. Like it was hard to accomplish tasks no matter what they are. Um, so it's – there's always a balance there because I feel like – the both of us could go harder and, and I, I don't know if the correct word is ambition, but like I, the exercise I just showed you, like putting myself into that higher state, I know I could do that more, but I don't have this ambition to like do that. So I, I keep myself in more of a, I don't know what it is. I mean, I enjoy staying in the breath for the majority of the day if I can accomplish that because it helps me, you know, accomplish tasks, honestly, like, but I'm saying like pushing the envelope and meditation, it gets me into the serious, like when you, it gets me into the serious, like, don't give a shit about this world, but you have to give a shit a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, right. Oh yeah. You, you yeah. have to, but the pathway is not giving a shit about anything here. If well, that's it far, far enough. That's the problem with studying the monks is that they're monks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they set themselves up to go hard in that direction. I mean, that's this, the devotion of spiritual progression. I mean, it's, I mean, I know what I want to do in my next life. <laughs> Are we always going to be teetering until we're, you know, doing something like this for a living? That is what I'm saying. Because there is a path of, of, of progression here. Obviously, there's retirement as well. But, I mean. That's the way I look at it is, you know, obviously there's retirement. I mean, you're looking at these you know, these big projects and, um, and I'm in terms of like expectations and stuff, I think you, you keep it in that vein. And, and then as you push, like that's when you're just kicking the door of uncertainty down at that point, like, at that you don't you have no idea at that point what what you're going to be capable of and what what you're going to be able to manifest in your own life you know um but but yeah i mean you can't really kick that door of uncertainty down until you can you can find a certain place i mean it sounds like you're putting it off and i mean maybe in, in ways that you are, but I mean, I can definitely attest to it. Like, 
in those two, I, I thought I was going to have to go somewhere. I thought I was going to have to, I mean, I didn't understand how it was going to work. I couldn't see it. I mean, how do you, they're not going to pay me to like sit down and watch birds, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it gets, it gets confusing. It gets, I mean, so you, you end up scrambling back, but I think that's when I see that state. And I mean, that scramble back was, was not even like a scramble. It was hard to get back. Yeah. I mean, from my point of view, it was hard to get back. Right. But I mean, is there like a more fluid state where you can get in and out and that's not my experience, so maybe there's not. But I'm willing to push in that direction a little bit to see if I can work something that's a little bit more manageable. Like, so can I, you know, through meditation, hit a, hit states quicker? And can I, you know, maintain a sense of spirituality that's going to keep me open to the dream yoga and nighttime experiences. And then once I'm there, I mean, do you get more guidance from, you know, thy will? Um, that's the way I look at it. Oh.